is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. And now keeping himself with Martinez, five. He is going to be in touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge. Runs in from 15 yards out, tying the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour, giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets one over the Florida Gators. Now, shoots the three. Got it. Isaiah Roby nails it from three-point land. And a good time was had by all. Good Saturday morning and welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. Where we, Caleb and I, have real football talk we have a f- to discuss. We have so many things to talk about today. <laughs> I, Scott Frost, if you missed it, which, I mean, if you're listening to this show, you didn't. Talk to the media extensively about actual football things, which yep. is exciting to, to, to hear. And there's some news that's come out of that. We will definitely hit on that. Uh, you've got some Nebraska ball schedule and roster shakeups. Yes. And some, uh, well, big time commit uh, for another sport that we'll get to as well. And A decommit for another sport. Yep. That, that as well. A professional signing. All right. We're just. Yeah, that's... Do you want the full outline of what what we're going to go through today? Not all of it. I mean, we're going to give some surprises out there, but... um, (laughs) But it was a busy week compared to the things we had. If you remember the the week that everything shut down, which that Wednesday was the 11th, um, so actually yesterday was 100 days since there's been a Nebraska athletics sport. Of any Um, kind, yeah. Yeah, so that was from March 11th. The very next week, you and I talked... Are we going to have content? How are we going to? How are we going to talk? Granted, we're we're one hour once a week, yeah. but are we going to run out of things? Let me tell you right now. On June twentieth, we probably could go three or four hours. Should we call Bob? Just see if we can. No, just we'll we'll just go right up to we'll just go right up to Grow Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'll I'll, I'll keep my uh, I'll keep my Saturday starting at ten. That's Caleb Henry, KLIN Sports Director. I'm Cole Stukenholtz, KLIN Contributor. Uh, special correspondent, whatever you want to call me. Um, we have, like I said, a lot to get to. Uh, I want to start with Frost because that's, I think, the meatiest part of this. He's got just, we got a ton of stuff to dig into with him. Um, not the least of which is some news that was kind of expected. Everybody pretty much saw it coming. We were all speculating about it. Um, Matt Farniak is officially moving to guard. Yes. Uh, it was maybe thought to be left guard in the spring. It's going to be right guard. Uh, the thought there, according to Frost, which we'll, we've got a, a sound from him on this, is to keep both him and Brendan Hymas, who are going to be the two most experienced guys, um, one of them on each side of the line, because mm-hmm. you'll have you know a new right tackle and a new left guard, and both of those guys will be next to one of those two. So you keep that spread out, which, you know, that's good. Uh, sometimes when I'm playing my NCAA football, I like to put the best two guard and tackle on the same side, so you can run the, that got to have yeah. run play on the goal line. You, you run to that side for sure. But you know, Scott Frost gets paid to do this. I don't, so I'll <laughs> take his judgment more over mine certainly. Um, but that's interesting because that shows that he's ready to you know he's ready to hand the reins of of tackle to to Bryce Benhart. I think, um, and he's not the only guy who's going to be there, but that's the presumed next guy who's going to get that that look uh, and, and potentially be the starter for 2020. Yeah. Um, and so that's significant, I think. And uh, I, I don't know if, I don't know if you're going to hear any other sort of announcement like that on any sort of position, because you always want to say, you know, Hey, we're all the positions are open. It's, it's an open competition everywhere. Uh, this is obviously not because Matt Farniak's going to start. And yes. Everybody's pretty sure Ben Hart's going to start next to him. Yep. And, and that's one of those that, when you heard when we talked with Frost, which was actually that same week that spring practices began, is when everything shut down. Yeah. It was that they were going to try to move some guys around. They were going to test some things out in spring practice. Well, you got two practices in. You actually missed a couple of guys because they went and played at the Big Ten basketball tournament. So they they were they missed one practice there, but. You miss out not just on the reps for guys to see if they can improve, and that's one of the reasons that uh, Vedral 
didn't really get the chance to see if he could move up over overtake Martinez or see what strides he could have made, yep. um, and that's why he's going to go compete for a spot at Rutgers. But you didn't get to see where you could move some guys on the offensive line, on the defensive line. Who can maybe play a different position if needed, if someone goes down? Who could go play a different position just because someone else is improving faster than maybe you thought they were? So you can get the best guys out there on the field. You didn't get that in the spring. So now you got to figure out kind of a fast track. What have we seen some guys with their weight training? What have we seen from voluntary workouts? And then what are we going to see in this extra two-week mini-camp type thing that the NCAA Division One Council approved that you'll get to pretty much begin here in this next month in July? You'll get two extra weeks of 20-hour practice weeks ahead of your regular fall schedule. So things are going to be fast-tracked a little bit. Missing out on that spring definitely hurts, but Nebraska was one of the first back as well for the voluntary workouts at the beginning of this month. Yep. So it kind of balances in parts. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to get to some sound. A quick aside, uh, you mentioned Vedral. I remember, I don't know how far back it was, three, four weeks ago, uh, Noah Vedral and Brant Banks were still listed on the Nebraska basketball roster yes. on Huskers.com. Um, we have some news on the roster. Um, <laughs> well, first of all, Vedral and Banks are not there, but neither is the guy that just left the program yesterday. They already got him out of there. That's they're moving with expediency. I guess they were embarrassed well, when we pointed that last thing out. Well, I think the roster was that roster, and I'm I'm going to pull it up as well. Are they still on the roster for what would be 2019? No, it says 2020, 2021 now. Okay, so yeah, that's probably why they flipped the you know they flipped the the calendar. I guess, but I just you know I wanted to point that out. Um, so yeah, let's let's dig into a little bit of this audio. But on got. the 2019 2020, yes, they are still there. They are forever part. Of the Nebraska basketball 2019-2020 roster. Oh, yeah. Brant Banks and Noah Vedral. That's beautiful. It's there for eternity. That's great. That's, that's as it should be. When you get... Because that was... If only Brant Banks' headband could that, make it in there. That's going into the Nebraska Hall of Fame. We already know that. The pregame dunks, that's uh, just on a B-roll forever. But when there's that, because it's it was Fred Hoiberg's first year, when they have the... 25th year anniversary of Hoiberg, and he's in his 25th year here, and we've gone to three or four Final Fours, whatever you want to put the put the baseline at. They're going to be like, what was that first year? Let's bring that first year group back. Got to bring Vedril and Banks back with them. They played in the conference tournament. Noah Vedril and Brant Banks laid the foundation for Nebraska <laughs> basketball <laughs> glory. We can all agree on that. That's going to be a sports nightly trivia thing in like 10 years. Yes, and and... You you should not get that wrong ever, anybody <laughs> out there. All right, so we touched a little bit on this Farniok deal. Um, this is what Scott Frost said on not only Matt Farniok, but how you know versatility is something that this coaching staff stresses, offense and defense. This is what he said uh, earlier this week to reporters uh, about different players testing out different positions. I think missing spring ball is going to hurt us in some ways. You know, guys like Bryce Benhart, who you know we're we're counting on to to be a player for us this year, and and there's other guys like that. But just picking out one name, uh, losing out on those reps uh, certainly isn't ideal. Those would have been valuable reps for him. We've also had to kind of fast track some of those decisions that we might have had time to examine a little closer in the spring. Um, and it's interesting you ask about Matt um, through talking. During this time, I think we're going to probably start him out at right guard, uh, just expecting there to be a younger player at, at right tackle, potentially uh, having a veteran with Hymas on the left side of the line and a veteran with Matt on the right side of the line, I think will help whoever's playing left guard and whoever's playing right tackle. Uh, also give us the ability to move Matt back out to right tackle a lot easier if he's playing on the right side. So, um Again, those are decisions I think we would have had time to evaluate and examine a lot more closely if we'd have had spring practice, and, and we've had to make them a little quicker now that we know we're going to be limited in the number of reps that we're going to get. So that's Scott Frost on you know, losing reps in the spring, how that affects when they want to you know, move players around. Mm -hmm. uh, you saw this with uh, Javin Wright. Yep. He's moving down from corner to outside linebacker. Or maybe able to play. He was a defensive back. I don't know if he played corner, but um, they're they're looking at finding ways to get guys on the field, move so you can have more depth in places where you need it. Um, part of why Chris Hickman moved from tight end to wide receiver in the middle of last year. Um, wide receiver got tall. Yes, <laughs> from last year to, to what's coming up this fall. Not just with the the recruits coming in, but 
Hickman's what six, six five six six. Yep, something like that. So you you add that with Xavier Betts coming in. You have that with Omar Manning coming in. The receiving core got big, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of those. I know we we joked about it a, a few years ago. Anytime you got inside the five, throw it to the pylon. We're just going to run the fade. You can legitimately do that with some of these guys with their size. Yeah. Um, kind of Des Bryant in the goal line. Just just toss it up and let a guy go get it. But yeah. that's one of the things. Those types of plays, and I didn't intend for this to be the transition, but those types of plays are timing. That's all chemistry. Mm-hmm. And you work on that offensive chemistry in the summer. Um, and Frost was asked about missing that part of the summer that you get a little bit in spring, but you really get in the summer that, yeah, they've started to have the voluntary workouts, but where have they been what have they been needing to do to get that offensive chemistry, specifically with the offensive skilled players? Yeah, that's going to be a challenge for us. Um, we got some guys coming back that I feel good about that are healthy and, and looking, uh, from what I hear, better than, than they have in the past. But uh, there's a couple positions on our team where we're not going to be veteran and we're going to be counting on some, some new players. And skill on offense is certainly has a possibility of being one of those positions. Um, I think that little bit of access and time with our players uh, prior to fall camp starting uh, could be a benefit to us. But, um, you know, Coach Lubick's going to have to earn his money. Uh, Coach Held, guys like that that are, are going to have to try to fast track some of those guys when we are able to to meet with them and, and work with them to try to get some of those young guys ready to be players for us. Yeah, those, those coordinators, as he said, Lubick's going to have to earn it. <laughs> with, with 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 the offense, but we already knew that because of JD Spielman not being there. Mm-hmm. We already knew that Lubick was going to have to work on a number of things with the offense, and now you have to work on that chemistry when you don't have your number one wide receiver coming back, yeah. top five statistical receiver in program history, who is going to rewrite the record books in a fourth year. But where does all that chemistry begin? That begins with your quarterbacks and. I mean, it's everyone's favorite position to talk about, the backup quarterbacks. What could the backup quarterback have done? Yeah. What, what, what could you have done? And, and Frost talked about everyone behind Adrian Martinez, um, really all the way from Logan Smothers and Luke McCaffrey down to Matt Masker and what missing the spring has done for them and what he's been hearing about them. I don't have any worries or concerns about Luke, to be honest with you. He's one of the hardest-working kids on our team. Um, he's spends all his time on football. He's going to be ready. All the reports I'm getting is that he's he's whipping it around really good and throwing better than anybody's ever seen him throw. Um, so I feel real confident about him. Obviously, with Logan being new um, and enrolling early, missing those spring practices wasn't ideal for him either. Uh, but we'll get him caught up. You know, we were sad to see Noah Vedro leave, but I, I feel great about those three kids and some of the ones behind them and um, that is going to allow us the opportunity to, to focus the repetitions in, in fall camp on the, the three guys and, and uh, you know, Matt Masker and, and others as well. So I think they'll get plenty of reps in fall, and, and we'll get Logan caught up. Luke McCaffrey really whipping it around. That made the rounds. That, yes. was, the, that was the money, the money quote, I guess, uh, from, from Frost. And look, if, if Adrian Martinez – was affected at all with his injury last season, you would expect him to be, you know, you'd expect him to look a little bit more like 2018 Mm -hmm. than 2019. And if so, Nebraska's offense should be in good hands. But obviously he missed some time with injury both of the last two seasons as well. So, yeah, knowing who that guy is and getting them ready is obviously important. Um, and and there's there's some experience there for McCaffrey. Thank you for game redshirt rule. Yes, that that part wonderful. You can expect some others to get in four games as well, even if that's just a, a few snaps here and there. They're going to get him into the games because you have that redshirt rule. Yeah. But now, how do you involve McCaffrey? The way Frost offense is run, there's going to be some plays, maybe even a game that Adrian Martinez isn't out there, so McCaffrey's going to get some run. But yeah. when Martinez is healthy, you have to find a way to get McCaffrey on the field. Whether it's you run him out there for a series, you have something specifically drawn up as a change of pace that he's out there just because of how fast he is. He brings a little bit something different to the table than Martinez, but I think you have to involve him. Maybe even on a drive, he runs out in receiver and they go, okay, well now we have to watch this. Mm. Line them both up in the backfield and you could theoretically just run a speed option with those two 
and you go, okay, either one of them can pull the ball back and pass. I think there's a lot of things this offense can do because of the versatility they have across the quarterback position and the depth they have, even with the loss of Noah Vedral. Yeah, the athleticism is is what opens that up because they're they're not just the threat to throw. You have to you have to be honest and play eleven on eleven. You can't just play eleven on ten because uh, those guys could tuck it and run for sure. All right, a lot to get to. That's just the tip of the iceberg with what Frost said this week. Uh, we've got plenty more where that came from. Plus, fans in stands this fall, salary donations, commitments, decommitments, professional signings. Uh, There's a lot to get to, uh, and we are uh, just getting started here. Catch up on all the week with us. That's Caleb. I'm Cole. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. KLIN Husker Hour here. Late June. Of course, we'd be in the in the midst of the College World Series right now, perhaps yes. perhaps playing one of those if-necessary games, waiting for the championship series to start on Monday. And we had the rain roll through on Thursday, which is when the Phase 2 DHM said you could start baseball and softball games in the mm. limited and non-contact competitions, and some places didn't get a play because of those storms that have come through. But yesterday and today so far have looked good, so that is exactly what you would expect with the College World Series anyway. One day where... Maybe you get one game in, and you're still supposed to have rain the next couple of days, uh, but then it kind of stays away, and you're figuring out what the schedule is, and then it's an if-necessary game. How does the schedule work going? It's College World Series weather. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, there would have been some hot ones, but no rain would have been good because then you could get those games in at Mm -hmm. least. Yeah, RIP 2020 College World Series and so many other sports. All right, back into some of the Frost stuff. And uh, let's dig back into some of the reopening, the uh, pandemic-related, COVID-related comments that Frost made because uh, he talked, obviously, at length about it. That's why we're in this situation right now. And uh, one of the things that he hit on was how Nebraska has a little bit of an edge, maybe, because they were one of the first teams to to come back and and kind of reconvene um, at the university. What's been interesting about this virus and and everything that we've gone through with it is I think there's inherent advantages and disadvantages that have happened all through this. Um, getting your kids back to campus certainly could be an advantage, um, but there's schools that have had all 15 spring practices and we got two, and there's schools in our league that have had a dozen or more and we've had two. Um, certainly the recruiting advantage and disadvantage probably isn't tilted in our favor uh, you know we have to get kids to lincoln nebraska to see it because we're recruiting kids from farther away than a lot of other people and without uh the ability to get kids to lincoln uh, it's made recruiting more of a challenge for us than maybe some people uh, that are in areas with with more recruits yeah so that's frost uh, on on how nebraska got together a little bit closer um a uh, little bit quicker anyway and Losing the spring obviously hurts, but most everybody lost. I think a majority of the spring. Yeah. He said that he said that there are some teams that got all fifteen. I don't know if that's accurate, but um, even so, there are some teams that started spring earlier. And Nebraska is also a little bit behind the eight ball, just in terms of hey, they got a new offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. similar system, I would imagine, but you know, a new voice in the room. Um, and and look, they had a lot of attrition this off season too. So getting people back earlier is definitely a positive for for this program. Yeah, and you want to get those guys there, the voluntary workouts. What can they get done with maybe some upperclassmen? What what can they do just getting some more of those reps and even with the voluntary workouts? And Coach Frost was asked on how many people still aren't in Lincoln so far. There's very few. um, You could probably count them on one hand, and I really don't want to talk about who's here and who's not. This whole time... uh, the players' safety has been our first priority. Uh, our community and state's safety is just as big a priority. And one thing we've been careful to do is not make it mandatory for anybody to do anything. So there's been uh, different phases of this and, and different times throughout where certain families have thought their, their son was uh, probably going to be safer being in Lincoln. Some other families that felt safer with having their their son at home, uh, and and we've never tried to discourage them from staying home if they want to. 
ever-changing situation, obviously, and and it's good that he knows exactly where you know the kids that aren't in Lincoln yet are. Um, but there there's obviously still uh, still a lot of uncertainty out there too. And and look, we have been hammering this home, Caleb. I think throughout this whole uh, pandemic. This is not going to just be okay. We're we're on this trajectory, and we're we're just going to go with this, and it'll be fine. Things are going to change a lot, and that's another thing that Frost and company have to take into account. And um, he did obviously touch on that uh, when he talked to the media as well. Every time one of those things changes, our schedule changes, our plans have to change. Um, to be safe for our team, we had to track every single kid, where they've been, who they've been in contact with when they were planning on coming back to town, how they were getting here, who they're living with, uh, you know, because just something as simple as quarantining someone when they get to town, well, that sounds easy, but we have to have the place set up for them to be quarantined. We have to make sure that if they're living at an apartment in town with two other people that don't need to be quarantined, that we get them separated. If one person leaves town and comes back, we got to figure out who they're living with, how they're getting here. There's just a million things that go into it because of the strict protocols that we've had in place the whole time. If you thought it was a pretty hefty task, like tracking down kids and making sure they were like going to class, making sure, Hey, okay. uh, So this guy's in sociology, this guy's in economics, this guy's in poli sci, like, uh, just multiply that by I don't know what factor. Now when contact, you're trying to contact trace, trace for 150 kids across all of the different states. Yeah, where they've been, and then crossing that with who are they going to be living with? Who's their who are their roommates? Um, sometimes it's not always that athletes are living with other athletes either. So we said that 150. That's just like the players on the team. Yeah. If it's an athlete living with non-athletes, well, now you're going to try to contact trace where they've been as well. So that, that number can balloon quickly. I think that's called community spread. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I think that's the term. Um, and then earlier this week, not directly from Frost, but also related to football, um, some of the measures in the state of Nebraska were relaxed, and, and the governor re- released uh, kind of guidelines around that. That affects what you're able to do in terms of contact sports, that affects, you know, beyond football, that affects how many people can be gathered together at one time. Mm-hmm. And, and all of that was another thing that came out this week. Yeah, so Governor Pete Ricketts on Monday, out of nowhere, um, if you've listened to LNK Today with Jack and Friends, we've been kind of trying to project when the new DHMs would be announced, and we continue to be a week off. Mm-hmm. Where whenever we think it's going to happen, the governor hits us a week early. But yeah. on Monday, um, Governor Ricketts announced what Phase 3 and Phase 4 would look like with the directed health measures. Phase 3 goes into effect on Monday, June 22nd, two days from now. Um, but it moves sports from their own category into the gatherings category. Um, now, what that does is beginning this next week, indoor gatherings will allow 50% of rated capacity, outdoor gatherings 75%, both a maximum not to exceed 10,000 people. The only place we could really think that you were getting close to the 3,000 that's allowed right now is maybe the Henry Dorley Zoo. That's it. That's the only place that we could think mm. you were right now going to be getting approaching that number anyway. But what this does mean is for folks that have gone to these baseball and softball games so far this week and the rest of this weekend, where it's just household members that are allowed, beginning on Monday, grandma can go, aunt and uncle can go, cousins can go. It's not just immediate households. So that opens things up a little bit. Um, one of the biggest impacts for that in July is the Shrine Game in Kearney. You know, where they already had announced the policy that you could have 10, uh, 10 guests per player, which obviously was more than what was in the household, but that made it so they might be able to go. It's an outdoor facility at UNK up to 75% of capacity. Yep. And they're not going to approach 10,000 fans for that anyway. Um, even when you're completely relaxed like last year, they're, they're never going to approach 10,000. But the other thing that's allowed is beginning July 1st, Contact sports can not only begin practices, but they can begin competitions as well. That's basketball, football, soccer, and wrestling. So that's part of the thing that football and basketball can begin actual practicing in the month of July. Phase 4 was also announced. They don't have a a start date for that. Could start sometime in July. The biggest part of that one on the sports side of things is it relaxes indoor gatherings 
up to 75% capacity, which is somewhere around 6,000 for, think, Bob Devaney Sports Center for volleyball. Yep. And outdoor capacity is up to 100%, no cap, not a 10,000 cap, no cap. So theoretically, that opens it for a full Memorial Stadium. Listen, we know that's not going to happen because they still have to in... You still have to go through your local health department to get that approved. Yeah. Lincoln-Lancaster County Health Department is not approving 90,000 fans because you still want to try to have some of the social distancing. But for all we know, we could be in a Phase 5 by the time the football season rolls around. Um, and we'll have coming up in a little bit some sound from Ted Carter, NU System President, on what he believes for this fall what he believes there might be some fans in the stands as well, some things they still have to figure out there. But this DHM really opens up a lot of things that have me feeling positive about sports and fans this fall. Yeah, and and how many, obviously, that remains to be seen. There's a lot that's going to happen between now uh, and early September. But that's good. I mean, we're trending in the right direction, at least with with these announcements. Now, uh, you hope that things don't blow up again, but... As long as they don't, they're you know you you have your targets. Everybody knows where you know where to where to aim, so to speak. And I think the changing behavior of everybody, as long as everybody does what they're supposed to do, and there's like we said, 150 people on the roster for football. Um, if you change your behavior, then I think knowing more about what to do and what not to do, um, things are going to be in a better spot, mm-hmm. and you're going to be more likely to be able to avoid that. Um, and and look, this all led to a uh, big announcement for uh, for I know Jack and, and myself. Um, Lincoln City Rec softball, yes, uh, made their announcement. They're coming back. Um, season starting uh, eight regular season games, July nineteenth. Um, that's 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 pretty exciting in the Stukenholtz household. I'm just tell you right now. Well, yeah, and and we talked when we had talked with uh, some Parks and Recs folks. They had just said that it was initially. There wasn't going to be any adult softball. There wasn't going to be any of that, at least for the early part. They weren't counting it out for late summer and getting into the fall, obviously. Yep. But now there's a definitive start date. That that's that's just more things that make me positive about things going forward. Now, yes, Clemson had what twenty three players test positive. Um, the Phillies and the Blue Jays have shut down their training, their spring training facilities. I think Major League Baseball shut down all thirty. Yeah, now they yeah they yeah. shut. Down, it was initially those, those two, two, yeah, and then they shut down all of them. Yep. That doesn't bode well for baseball's return. Baseball's in its own hmm. bubble got anyway. Negotiation issues yeah, too. they've got enough other things going on <laughs> besides anyone testing positive. But we've talked before, and uh, um, a Legion baseball team, I believe it's mostly players from Lincoln Southwest, Southwest. Yep. Um, had a couple of players test positive. So they had to, they're basically quarantining the team for the next two weeks. So they had to wait a couple extra months to get games going. And then on the eve of the season starting, had to shut it down for a couple of weeks. So these are things that are going to continue. We're going to see players test positive. We're going to see staff test positive. Mm. It's what policies carry over into the fall. What does the NSAA do for Nebraska high school sports? What do those policies become? Is it district by district? Is Does the statewide do something? Same thing at the NCAA level. Is it school by school? Is it conference by conference? Or does the NCAA create a policy? Those are still questions that we have regarding the pandemic and COVID-19 going into the fall. Yeah, a lot uh, of still unanswered questions, even though, you know, like we were saying, we've gotten a lot of information already. There's still a, lot, a long ways to go for sure. Um, and, and hey, with softball coming back, um, that that gets my kids out of the house a little <laughs> bit more, um, and that makes me a little bit more sane. I don't know if that comes across on the show or You're not. You're not crazy yet, right? I, I don't know. I think I'm doing okay. Yeah. <sighs> We'll see. We're getting there. All right. We're getting through the show as well. Um, We will have comments uh, from System President Ted Carter, uh, as well as a little bit more from Scott Frost, um, and plenty more news to get to. It was a wild week. We'll get you caught up. Stick with us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Back right after this. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Back here on the KLIN Husker Hour. A lot of news this week. Scott Frost talked real football. Mm-hmm. Everybody smiled. 
at least for a little bit because hey, we we need some real football back. Well, the last time we've heard, well, we've had access to Scott Frost. He's obviously been on Sports Nightly a yeah. couple times, yeah. but the last time we have had access to ask him questions was March 9th, the week that spring practice began and the week that all... Two days before everything got shut down, like the NBA and the college basketball The week that everything got shut down. That's the last time we talked with Coach Frost, so uh, there was a lot going on there. But last night on Road to Recovery, uh, we talked with NU System President Ted Carter and really wanted to know... He talked about a lot of things with the the budget cuts across the university, um, and we'll still get into some of those that are just sports-related that we got a release from Bill Moose, but from President Carter, he talked about some of the safety measures that uh, Nebraska is doing um, across the system and, and for campuses, but he also gives a little nugget about football this fall in there as well. Here's President Ted Carter. You know, we're looking at the, what type of personal protection equipment that we'll have available for our students, the testing that they may want to have, and contact tracing. We want to make sure that all that's available. And I know there's a lot of discussion out there about masks right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't predict what it's going to look like in two months. You know, we're about ready to go into phase three in our state and then maybe phase four. I am very optimistic and hopeful that we here in Nebraska are going to enjoy very low numbers and not any spikes. And if the situation uh, evolves itself to the point where we'll be safer, you know, we'll react to that. It takes three seconds to put a mask on and take a mask off. So, you know, there are a lot of people worried about the whole mask thing. I think you're going to see little kids at K-12 having to wear masks initially just to make sure that we're doing everything we can to protect our population, at least initially. Um, So I'm optimistic, again, that we're going to think through this, do it right. We have our experts at UNMC as well as the Global Center on on Health Security uh, helping us out. So, uh, you know, more to follow. And if you were to say, well, what what is – the world look like and what does Lincoln and Omaha look like in two months? Uh, just think about where we were two months ago and what's happened just over the course of those two months. And yeah. who could have predicted some of the things that we're, we're dealing with now as a, as a nation and as a globe. So let's not try to predict everything that's going to happen in two months. I've had a lot of questions about how many fans we're going to have in Memorial Stadium. I'll tell you, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to be playing football on Labor Day weekend against Purdue, and then we're going to have some number of fans in the stadium. How many and how we get them in, we're working on that. But, uh, you know, let's let's know that, uh, have some assurance that our team is doing everything we can to keep our population safe. Now, that's a number of different folks at the top of Nebraska athletics, Nebraska system, saying they believe football is going to have fans in the stands. Like we've said, Cole, the part we don't know is how many and what's that gonna, what that's going to look like. And I think President Carter essentially said that as well. He's fully expecting there to be fans in the stands, but they still have to figure out the how and how many. Yeah, and look, if if you want to at least get to the point where you have fans in the stands, you got to have a plan for it. You got to have a contingency if you know if let's say that's cases are rising. Let's say the the Lincoln um, the way that Lincoln's done it is they have that that the COVID nineteen meter red, the yeah. meter. Um, if that thing gets back up to this level or this level, then what do you do in terms of numbers? Are you taking people's temperatures? Um, are you asking if they've tested before? Mm-hmm. Um, is this you know are you going to survey everybody before you even send out tickets like? There's a lot that needs to, you know, kind of get flushed out, and it's going to be different for everybody. Um, are you going to let opposing fans come in? Talked to Ted Carter talked about the Purdue game. That's the first. That's the opener this year. Yeah. Um, you're opening with the uh, the conference game against the Boilermakers. Are you going to let Purdue fans travel from Indiana or wherever they may be, from you know all states all around the country, whatever, uh, to your to Lincoln's stadium and potentially, you know, hopefully not, but potentially spread that virus. So that, that these are all questions that they've got to answer, and um, you know, just getting the framework down at this point is is certainly a big step. But um, yeah, there's 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 some stuff to work out there. And that comes down to what does the proposal look like from Nebraska Athletics to the Lincoln Lancaster County Health Department? What is that going to look like? That that proposal there, but it's also going to in the end take cooperation. From the team itself, all the way through Nebraska administration, to the local health department, 
to city officials like the mayor, to the governor with the DHMs. All of this has to work in sync for fans to be there and for what it's going to look like. You yeah. you can't really have one without the other. And then what does the Big Ten Conference make that decision on? Because the NCAA really doesn't have a whole lot of oversight over football, so it's going to be the conferences making that decision. But from the NCAA to the conferences, what is volleyball going to look like? What is maybe basketball going to look like in the when the winter season rolls around? There's There are so many questions that still need to be answered and the decisions have to be made from right here locally in Lincoln to what are things nationally and conference-wide going to be. Yeah, and and I wanted to, to get into this. If if you've seen some of the stuff about what Ohio State's done with make players sign a waiver when they come back. Yeah, Ohio State's done it. Tennessee's Tennessee done it. Tennessee too, yeah. Um, a number of schools are doing that where it's their basically a COVID-19 pledge to kind of not put yourself in situations that you might contract coronavirus or spread it to others. Yeah, which... The Ohio State AD came out and said, "Oh, this is not a legal document. It's not to to shield us from you know prosecution or whatever." Like, you know, you obviously you know go to that if you're if you're thinking worst case scenarios. Like, oh, as we saw on as we saw on Dazed and Confused, those pledges really work out well. Mm, yeah. So so that's that's one of the things that Scott Frost also talked about whether or not that's something that he was going to ask Nebraska's players to do. We're not going to do a pledge. Our guys understand the uh, rules involved with being around. And uh, I'd be shocked if there was a team or a organization in sports that has been more careful and followed protocol more strictly than we have. Um, but I don't think I need to get our kids to sign anything. Uh, they understand what's at stake, and, and they're doing a good job of following all the regulations that, that we put forth. That strikes me as a very on-brand Frost thing, like Yeah, super laid back. Uh, he's not. He's not going to ask to you know to have him put that down in writing. So that's that is what it is. And and Nebraska is uh, a little bit different in that regard compared to some others. Um, some of the other uh, things that came out this week. I uh, wanted to hit on this. Uh, Nebraska announced some cuts to the athletic department. Yes. Um, the university announced kind of budget shortfalls, and obviously that filters down to all parts of the university. Um, and and part of that is unfortunately some people lost jobs. Um, you had ten percent reduction of uh, administrative staff, mm-hmm. um, and and that's the that's the human cost where you know people are out of a job at this point. Um, as of yesterday, uh, no merit increases for department employees for fiscal year twenty twenty one. No increases in budgets. Um, they're encouraging regional non conference away schedules if they haven't already been set for all those sports. We're seeing that already with volleyball as they canceled mm-hmm. the Texas and Stanford. Yep. trips for non-conference so that that's already something that we were seeing happen yep um so this is this is obviously hitting um the athletic department and you know football is you know maybe a little bit immune to that but they're not going to raise their budget um plus they don't really have a way to change their non-conference schedule at least not an easy way maybe they'll be forced to do something like that um but as of right now they're not planning to do that um and so yeah this is this is one of those things where it it does it it start it's starting to filter down right you had all the uh, all the shutdown in march you had people you know getting laid off or at least being paid not to work losing jobs uh, a lot of them are still out of jobs at this point and now you're starting to see the the longer term effects affect this is this is fiscal year 2021 that Nebraska's talking yeah, about. Yeah, so begins July 1st. Yep. Um and it's an overall it's a 10% reduction across the athletic department. Um but when we talk about those those non-conference schedules, encouraging more regional scheduling, that's not just to try to limit some of the exposure that you might have from mm-hmm. playing teams across the country, but it's also to cut down on expenses for traveling to places. Now, football, all the non-conference games are at home. Mm-hmm. Volleyball, they've already cut out two long-distance trips, Texas and Stanford. Nebraska men's basketball came out with their non-conference schedule for 2020-2021 and all of the non-conference games except for really two the Myrtle Beach trip the Myrtle Beach trip and then Kansas State at Kansas City well that's yeah. still that's regional there yep. so for Nebraska men's basketball all of your non-conference games are at home except for the Myrtle Beach trip that is the yep. only one now that one obviously they're going to have to fly there 
They're going to play teams from across the country. And that's a tournament where there's going to be eight different schools from different yep. parts of the country, which... So that is the only... I could, although they made that announcement this week, that, like the dates for everything, we already knew Myrtle Beach was going to be on, on the schedule yeah. based on last season they made that announcement. I could see that one changing. Mm-hmm. Grant, we're still a couple months. We're still a few months out. Yep. Uh, all of this stuff could become a moot point, and they're just going to say, nope, we're playing it as it is. But because of an, a, a cost part of it, and Nebraska's in a better place financially than a lot of schools across the country. We, we can all agree on that. Nebraska financially, much better place than probably 90 95% of schools one across of, the one country. One of the very few in the black. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's on a year-to-year basis. But everyone's losing money because of the pandemic, missing out on the spring, and being unsure about what you're going to get out of the fall. Mm. But there's a possibility Nebraska men's basketball does not go to Myrtle Beach. That is a very real possibility. Very much so. Yeah, you get the ACC Big Ten Challenge game at home, and then Creighton is at home as well. Not that that's a big trip, but uh, both of them are in PBA. Uh, The last thing on this, uh, as far as the money goes, uh, Scott Frost and Fred Hoiberg, it was announced this week, they're going to be donating part of their salaries Mm -hmm. uh, proactively to the university um, just to... You know, they're they're the highest paid state employees, Caleb, and so they uh, they can do their part, and this is them doing their part. It's mm-hmm. not known how much that is, but um, hey, good on them for for trying to help out a little bit. Yeah, um, got to get into a break here. Uh, still, plenty more to get to. Uh, more of the reopening stuff. There was a college football game that's already been canceled. We'll tell you what that was. Um, a game in September that's not going to happen. Uh, more cases pop up. Um, and then uh, what is going on at UCLA? Yeah. There's some stuff to talk about when we come back here. This is K Lion Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the K L I N Husker Hour on 1400 K L I N. K L I N Husker Hour rolling along here on your Saturday morning. And if you missed it, there was a college football game, Caleb, that got canceled. <laughs> it's June, and a college football game set for September is already canceled. Not um, going to be the last one. No, it's probably not going to be the last one either. Um, it's not Division One A. It's one Double A. It's the uh, the football championship subdivision, uh, the Southern Heritage Classic between Jackson State and Tennessee State. Um, it was played. It was to be played September twelfth, uh, and it is not happening. They've already called it off. Um, I look, I don't know if it's overreacting at this point. Maybe it is. Um, but I think they're planning ahead. Um, the Southern States just in general, uh, down in the sec country, if you will, uh, those States seem to still have a lot more caseload, uh, maybe trends in the wrong direction as well Yeah. in terms of COVID-19. If we want to regionalize the United States, yeah, sec country, PAC 12 country, still seeing a lot of rising cases. Mm. Um, you could even go up into uh, Big East country a little bit. Up the uh, coast a little Up the coast there. But really, the Big Ten states mm-hmm. are seeing decreasing cases for the most part. That That's kind of what the country looks like based on yeah. the Power Five conferences. Yeah. And, and you know, some people have speculated, geez, are we going to see just conference schedules so mm-hmm. you don't have widespread travel and then that's it for the year? Um you know, I don't know. Maybe um, the, the the public health officials kind of fear a second wave, and if that happens, that's going to occur in the fall, and that's right smack in the middle of football season when all these players are together, they're traveling, some on planes. Can you imagine uh, though a Big Ten only football schedule? You have and to just f- de- declare the Big Ten champion, and you still you still play twelve. You play twelve games, mm-hmm. so there's one team you don't play. Yeah. Oh, just go almost full round robin. Just go almost, almost full round robin. Big Ten. Wow. Exclusively Big Ten. Um, and still take your top two and play a conference championship. Can so, you, so Ohio State finally falls off Nebraska's schedule, but the pandemic brings them back. Is that yes, what you're trying exactly, to say? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or they would be the one team Nebraska doesn't play. Who knows? Yeah, I doubt it. I think. I think if the Big Ten had their way, they would find a way to get Nebraska Ohio State again. But the uh, so about all these teams coming back, NCAA Division One Council did agree on the two week mini camp. Um, So you'll get two weeks of up to 20 hours team activity. That's between meetings. That's between film sessions, uh, weight training, and then obviously kind of the the hands-on stuff, the the workouts unpadded Mm -hmm. for those, the walkthroughs. And Coach Frost, he he touched on this as well, the two weeks that they get ahead of the four-week fall preseason. I am in favor of it because we missed spring ball. 
missing the amount of spring practice that we did just sets you back as far as knowing X's and O's and, and being able to operate as a team and having a little extra time before camp starts to get walkthroughs and get some of that done will we'll definitely, I think, benefit everybody that missed, missed spring ball. It is going to make the scheduling of everything a little interesting uh, for us because usually you give players time off to recover before fall camp starts and you definitely don't want to uh, – give players time off during that time when we have more access to them and more ability to do things. So it's going to change our scheduling model a little bit to make sure our, our players are here through that, but also fresh and ready to go for the long haul of the season. That schedule change, that, that part's very interesting to me because you want to have the players fresh, but you don't want to give up that access you have to them either. Yeah. So that part is because they're going to start in mid-July where you start to kind of get more access to them. Then you get that two weeks of essentially the mini camp. Then you get into the four weeks of the preseason up to the first game against Purdue. Regular fall camp, yeah. And then you're into the season. So that part is going to be how they're going to have to work the schedule a little bit, make sure guys aren't getting overworked, but still making sure they're getting good time in because you missed the spring, you missed a lot of the summer. Um, I do not envy them making that schedule. I don't envy anyone having to make the decisions on schedules or what teams can do right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and as we go more of the, you know, more of the, the reality of, of, you know, the pandemic that we're in more people test positive all the time. And, and this is obviously affecting sports. Um, last week it was, uh, Iowa state had, uh, players that were affected. Mm -hmm. Um, there was another school that I can't think of now too. This week, Clemson and Texas, uh, hey, Clemson's pretty much in the playoff every year. Yeah, they had over twenty players test positive. Mm -hmm. uh, Texas had, I think, ten. Um, and then there's the thing that that happened at UCLA, where there's demand now for uh, a third party health official to be on hand for football activities to ensure that the protocols for COVID nineteen are followed. Uh, apparently, there may be a little bit of mistrust uh, with the the powers that be there. Uh, the quarterback Dorian um, Green Robinson um, came out and said, "No, it's not anything against uh, Chip Kelly," which you know that's fine to come out and say, but I think inherently it is about Chip Kelly. Yeah, um, it's inherently about leadership. Yeah, like that's that's interesting. You have um, speaking of Texas, we had some players test positive. Uh, their leadership had to come together because the folks that the players at Texas decided to say, um, "Hey, we need some things changed around the university." Uh, and that's more related to the social issues. Yeah. Um, but players on these schools are are coming together and using their power, and I don't think that's done yet. I think there's going to be more of those developments as we go. Yeah. Um, so that that was that was uh, some interesting stuff, and that's what uh, that's what UCLA is dealing with right now. All right, let's get to our last break. Uh, come back. Uh, the number one national recruit is committed to Nebraska. We'll tell you where. I think you can probably guess, though. Um, and uh, some shuffling of the chairs at Nebraska basketball uh, and a professional baseball signing uh, for a former Husker. Uh, all that news is going to be right when we come back here on the K-Line Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those who cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Thanks for joining us here on the program. Uh, if you missed any of this, you can always head over to the podcast page at KLIN.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook at KLIN Huskers. Of course, if you're watching us on Facebook, you already know, but we are uh, Facebook Live with all of our shows, so you can catch up with our smiling faces every Saturday as well. So earlier this week, Major League Baseball, which has its own issues, as we've talked about, trying to just get back to play, but they opened up free agent signing because the week before had the draft, mm -hmm. cut it from 40 rounds to five. A Nebraska player wasn't selected for the first time in a couple decades. It's only but, five rounds. But you expect that asterisk. when... Yeah, when, yeah asterisk for <laughs> sure. Give us the streak, the sellout streak. It's so important. Um, but Aaron Polensky, outfielder for the Huskers, signed a free agent deal with the New York Yankees. Um, he, he said it was a childhood dream come true, so yeah. congratulations Good to him. to uh, Polensky going there. That's one player finishing his Husker career. Someone else decided that they want their Husker to career to begin, and that is Hayden Kubik, the younger sister of Maddie, um, and for those of us, those of you watching on Facebook Live, you can see some huddle video going there for Hayden. Uh, top player in the country, 2022 mm. commit, wants to play for John Cook. And, and this was a situation where 
the timing uh, of of the the contact period, like when coaches can officially uh, extend offers, um, that John Cook made the call uh, to Hayden within I think one minute yeah. uh, that the rules allowed. Like uh, you're you're obviously our highest priority. Your sister's here. I mean, I think it was probably a formality at that point anyway. Yeah. But um, but yeah, that's pretty cool to get the number one recruit in the country and. You know, John Cook is John Cook. And take both sisters out of West Des Moines Valley. Mm-hmm. That's a really big school yep. in in Iowa, and you're taking both of those, plucking them not just from Iowa, but from Iowa State. You're keeping those from, from going over to Penn State, going up to Wisconsin. Those, those are all close-ish schools, and you're keeping her away. And recruiting isn't just about growing your school. It's about keeping them away from other schools as well. Yes. Um, so we have that. And then there's been some swaps with Nebraska ball as well, Cole. One player not showing up to be a Husker, hasn't even played in the game, and another just a couple hours later replacing him. Well, last week we were serious about, okay, J.D. Spielman's gone. What was your favorite moment of the J.D. Spielman era? Because there were a lot of them to choose from. Yeah. Um, now we're joking when we say, what was your favorite moment of the Nebraska Kobe King era? Because he's gone already. He was transferring from Wisconsin, thought that he might get a waiver to play immediately. Um, instead, for, uh, for uh, Fred Hoiberg deemed it personal reasons, uh, Kobe King is not going to be part of the program. Um, as I noted earlier in the show, he's already off of the 2020-2021 roster on Huskers.com. So uh, nice work to those folks who are uh, quick on the trigger there. Uh, and he's already been replaced uh, Kobe King's out, and uh, Elijah Wood. No, not not uh, Frodo. Um, Elijah I know when Wood. you when you hear King and you hear Elijah Wood, <laughs> you might think there's something going on with uh, the Mount Doom. But yeah, yeah, Lord of the Rings jokes. There, that's already old. <laughs> um, so Elijah Wood is reclassifying from 2022 to 2021. From 2021 to 2020. Uh, or, sorry, 2021 to 2020, yes. So this so, year. So, so he's from Hargrave Military Academy. It's one of the prep schools that you see a lot of basketball recruits come out of from year to year. He's going to be able to play right away. He's 6'5", 190. Um, he's, got, he's got length and size. He's got some range to his shot. Looks like a good fit for Hoiberg. And um, they seem to have been ready for this because those announcements came within an hour or two of each yes. other um, on a Friday. So... Um, a lot of reshuffling there for Nebraska's ball, Nebraska Ball's roster, which that might be a Fred Hoiberg staple yeah. um, of this era. I'll just get used but to it. But 6'6 at guard, that you're, yeah. you're, you're seeing size and guys that can pass the rock. You'll take it. Um, so, yeah, lots of stuff this week. Uh, we appreciate you listening and watching if you're on Facebook Live. Um, and, uh, yeah, hopefully next week we'll have some more uh, news regarding you know how many folks can be in the stands uh all that comes out a little bit at a time we're here to share it with you and break it all down every week uh thanks have a great week happy father's day and go big red